0: You are listening to Subro On The Go, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor's Subrogation and Recovery Practice Group, with discussions and perspectives on emerging trends, developments, and best practices. Now let's get started with your hosts, Dave Briscoe and Joe Rich. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Subro On The Go. Uh, Again, David Briscoe here from the San Diego office of Cozen O'Connor, joined by my regular co-host Joe Rich out of our Miami office. Um, and you know we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. We're, we're talking about artificial intelligence. AI has been a hot button topic, um, particularly over the last uh, you know eight or nine months, as ChatGPT rolled out and the the fastest growing um, app uh, in history. And and I have to I have to talk about the elephant in the room right away, Joe, about this because I'm terrified. Everybody wants to know with all this AI stuff. Are we all going to be out of a job? Do we do we not need lawyers anymore? Am I done for? So
1: yeah, it's a, it, that's the that's the you know the big question out there. So let let me first start by giving everybody who's a listener a little bit of background. We have been using AI tools for a while. AI is not necessarily new. Anyone who's used Lexis or Westlaw, you've used a version of artificial intelligence to assist with your searches. A lot of apps that you've used have have had some form of it. The breakthrough that we're seeing now, and it's dominated the news, I would say, for the better part of six months plus, you know, is that ChatGPT and, you know, applications based off of its language model allow you to sort of have a more direct hands-on approach to asking AI to help you do specific tasks, right, um so that's that that's just sort of like a premise and a background you know the industry the subrogation industry we've been using predictive analytics for a while now that's a form of ai that has been assisting everybody um and there are a lot of companies that have different ai models that use predictive analytics there's carriers that do it as well and some carriers have whole departments devoted to this so it's not new in the sense that we've never used any form of ai The shift is, this is a very user-friendly, adaptable model of AI. Um, As an additional little bit of background, I serve on our firm's uh, Technology and Innovation Committee. And as part of that, I have been testing out other platforms that are based off of ChatGPT. And there is a lot of potential. But I would start with, we're kind of in what I would call the AOL dial-up phase, Dave. You know when <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you try to get on the internet or take 15 minutes to send an email way back in the day when we were youngsters. I know we can say that now, right? Whereas where we are now, with we have, you know, massive servers and fiber optics and things move at a lightning pace. Um, so we're kind of, uh, it's like baby steps right now. You know, if you ever remember that Bill Murray movie with Richard Dreyfuss where he's like, you know, baby steps, baby steps. That's kind of where we're at. You know, everything that you use um, now is in its infancy with these chat GPT models. But there is, there is huge potential. We're going to talk about some of those issues. Document generation, research, code research, general information gathering. You know, it's like having an assistant, you know, who you can just open up your laptop and ask questions to. So, so there are a lot of potentials. I do not believe, to get to your question, and I haven't tried to ignore it, I do not believe it's going to replace humans. You know, we're not, it's, you know, it's not T2 Judgment Day. You know, the T1000 right. is not coming after mm. us quite yet. Um, there are a lot of drawbacks, and you still have to have a specific type of skill set to effectively use these tools. So I, I do not think it's gonna replace people. What I and I'll stress this throughout. I think this is another tool to put in our kit, and it's yeah. a tool that will help us, but it's not going to replace us.
0: Well, that that's that's comforting. And then has, I I I think you're right. I think this is going to be you know a situation where we want to be aware of these tools, and we're going to walk through some of them today. These tools that can be helpful in aiding us in our job, but but outright replacing us make me feel better. Tell me that there's there's nobody out there who's saying, okay, I'm just going to have a uh, uh, chat GPT write my motion for me um, so
1: um, so I've tested out uh, a specific platform that has been in the news and um, I spent about 40 hours you know testing it out thoroughly I think you know this where I gave it all sorts of assignments and research and it was very helpful but it wasn't to the level that you could have it do all of the tasks for you and run a. I I mean it's not quite there yet it's very discrete assignments very discreet questions um, you have to sort of develop a a skill set of talking to the ai in order to leverage it to get the most out of it it's we, we are a long way away from you know handing over a file to an ai platform and having it you know create an outline of the case for you and giving you the 12 steps that you have to follow right. we're not there yet we're not there yet
0: Yeah, and and just so everybody knows, too, there there was um, one thing that's interesting to me that has been interesting with like ChatGPT, because that's been the topic, uh, uh, the headline topic, is... um uh, you know, And there's, there is an attorney, there is a case out of uh, New York where the attorney tried to actually um, have ChatGPT write its motion for him. Uh, and then what happened is <laughs> actually false cases were cited. And so the lawyer was sanctioned because ChatGPT came up with fake quotes and, and fake cases that it was citing. Um, and the lawyer relied upon that. I don't know why, he wouldn't um, check all that, but lawyer relied upon that and was, was sanctioned for it. And, so, and it brought up an important question with AI, which is where is it getting its data from? And so something like ChatGPT, I, I worry early on, I think they're, as we grow with this, like you said, they're gonna be putting certain safeguards in place. But what we saw with that, with the case in New York, was it, the ChatGPT has available to itself all the information in, uh, uh, on, online, as well as all the misinformation online, and and this ability to come up with you know fake cases that don't exist is a significant concern and a reason that folks shouldn't be just relying on it to do their work. Um, but there are ways you can use it to um, help um, be a tool for you that we'll talk about. But but I think you're right; yeah. it's not something going to replace us anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I, I'll uh, quote. Uh, Michael Scott from The Office, when he was talking about Wikipedia, at one point he said, you know, Wikipedia is great because you know you're getting the very best information, right? And we all know that, (laughs) you know, that's not exactly the case, right? Anybody could put anything out there that they want. Um, I've tested out ChatGPT. It is actually pulled back on providing legal case law citations. Um, It now comes up with a standard, like, three-sentence, caution that you know I'm a language AI model, you should consult an attorney, um, or you should go to Lexis or Westlaw. They've actually pr- tried to put some guardrails on it after this New York case came out. Um, what had happened in New York is the, while the legal principles, like if you ask Chat GPT a question like, describe the made whole rule for me in the state of Florida, you will generally get an accurate summary of what the legal principle is. But then the, if you ask it for case law citations, what it does is aggregate data together and generates these sort of phantom you know, or hallucinations, they've sometimes been called. And it, it's not accurate. So it's, it's not reliable as a resource like that. There are other programs out there that are definitely more reliable. And I should, you know, Lexis and Westlaw are getting into this. Very soon we're going to see AI-based research models through them. Um, but ChatGPT, like, you have to be very cautious in what you use. This kind of dovetails into another issue that our industry is going to have to face. And, you know, one, um, you know, policies and procedures for using these publicly available applications in the subrogation profession, you know. Um we have some guardrails in place uh, you know that we won't use confidential information you know do you have to have open discussions with clients about um are they allowing you to use it you know none of us are actively using it in our you know in our relationships with clients right now or you know so there are a lot of um discussions to be had um once you know, these other types of applications get more fleshed out, these private services, I'll call them, where you can keep things confidential and you have sort of a closed universe of information and you don't have to worry about stuff getting out to a wider group. So there there are restrictions and, and those professionals who are working for carriers, you know, should check with their carriers and, and find out before they start using anything like this if it's permissible, you know, just to go down right. that path a little bit.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, you've been at the forefront of testing a lot of these kind of private um, platforms and that are designed for the legal industry. And as as you said earlier, I think it was it was spot on. We're at the AOL stage, right, where the, you know, it's 1996, right, in terms of Internet just starting becoming yeah. popular. We all have Internet and we all have dial up and we're all learning this process. So you've been at the forefront of testing out a lot of these private programs, which um, are specifically designed for lawyers uh, to use for either a legal research or b document review and so for me i'm fascinated to know um you know uh what some of your experiences are with some of these private platforms that are coming out on both of those fronts because to me the meat of what we do in subro is we get a case and we got to look at a claim file and say, is there money in this specific case and then we want to perform certain, you know, legal research relevant to, to legal issues in that case. Have you what have you seen on these private platforms, you know, in terms of both one, the legal research capabilities um, and two, kind of the document review capabilities, can you upload documents and ask it to, you know, ask it questions about those documents.
1: Yeah, So uh, let's take it uh, one at a time. So with legal research, I have found that with the private platforms, with appropriate policies and guardrails in place, you get a pretty decent first work product you know, if you're asking for a primer on a general area of subrogation law. You know, if you want to know about waivers of subrogation you know, in a particular state, you will get a pretty decent primer. When you have to get into the weeds, that's when it gets a little bit more challenging. You know, our cases are very complex. There are usually a lot of forensics involved, experts involved, different fact patterns. When you get into that, it hasn't quite reached the stage where I think it can handle a full data set like that and and sort of give you all of the legal arguments you need. But on on basic issue-by-issue research, I think it's very good. On document and processing data, um, that is where I see even more potential. I do think there is huge potential to uh, organize and catalog claim files for us, um, summarize damages, summarize facts if you feed in a lot of documents. um, I've done some mock trials with, um, you know, mock depositions where I've put sort of these like, you know, mock depositions into programs and asked them to summarize the depositions. There's a lot of potential there, Dave, huge potential. And there's also a huge potential um, in the context of sort of we, we're going to talk about like, can AI be like an assistant for you, right? I could see down the road where it is built into programs like Outlook, right? Where it is predicting things that need to be done for you on a daily basis. You know, where you could be emailing someone about setting up a call and it automatically in the background sets it up and puts it on your calendar. You know, there are things like that that we haven't reached yet, but they're not a stretch. You know what I right. mean?
0: Oh, you, you just saved me 30 minutes a day with that comment. and. Um, and, and so you're right about uh, you're spot on with, you know, that's what we're so curious about in, in, in our industry is how is this going to help us with our daily tasks. And there's so much potential there. Um, you talked about, you know, uh, uploading documents and having it, you know, assist with reviewing and summarizing it, you know, Subro's a document intensive Um, industry with with some sizable claim files. So any assistance it can give with reviewing documents is going to be really interesting. But the daily tasks um, that you just mentioned is really fascinating too because, you know, I talk a lot with with our clients and what dominates their day um, today compared to, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And that what dominates their day today is emails and virtual meetings, emails and Zoom, emails and Zoom or, or Teams meetings, right over and over repeat. And if there's something, um, as a lot of these AI products coming out, I mean, are are now really interesting, helpful today. Even, um, you know, we're not sponsoring any of them, but just to give examples like Otter is out and a bunch of other programs where they uh, um, uh, they are virtual meeting assistants where they will transcribe all of your Zoom and MS Teams and virtual meetings automatically. Uh, they'll summarize them for you so you don't um, have to do a summary at the end. You can save time that way. Um, the, you know, if somebody's putting up a PowerPoint presentation during a meeting and they'll, they'll summarize it for you. If you show up late to a meeting because you took a call, you can jump in. You can see the transcript. You can see, you can ask the AI program, hey, what what I miss in the meeting? And it'll summarize it for you. So a lot of these little tools, are, as you're saying, you know, about assisting you with emails, assisting you with calendaring, assisting you with Zoom meetings, um, are going to make us more efficient at our um, at our job. And I'm anxious to see some of those come out.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's not there yet. But I like I said before, I don't think it's a stretch that someone would develop um, an AI to be embedded in your Outlook where it would prioritize your emails for you every day. You know, yeah. where you would come in and it would, you know, put at the top of the list, the most important emails. I mean, we're not there yet, you know, for sure. There's, like I said, baby steps. We're in the infancy stage. Um, but our group, you know, we've always been good about leveraging technology. You know, we have Sub-Rose Speed with NSS, which is our predictive analytics platform. We are very much engaged to try to be in the forefront of of this AI sort of shift and i think post-covid people are more open to the uses of technology in our profession in the subrogation industry and we're we're going to do our best as a group to try to leverage it and use it in the best way that we can but everything has to be taken a little bit with a grain of salt you know we gotta make sure that things work the way they're advertised you know we have we're testing things out we're not just jumping in blindly either.
0: Right, right. Let, let me ask you this, the because um, we are really in this kind of testing and trial um, phase with these tools. Um, what are you using today um, in your practice to assist you when it comes to AI? Uh, I know, you know, we um, you and I have personally talked about deposition outlines and kind of this, you know, um, ways to make us think about things more, even going into this podcast, right? I mean, we can go into ChatGPT and ask, you know, and t- say the topic we're going to be talking about and see what it generates and, and use that as not to, you know, replace our job for us, but to help us think about new new options or new topics or new ideas that we didn't think about going into something. So how are you using it today today? Um, already to help you?
1: So I I think I've tried to use it organically over the past couple of months. You know, when I'm faced with an issue, um, you know this, like I'll call you and I'll be like, hey, I have this legal issue. How have you approached this? I like to get different perspectives from people. And that's how I've been using it with some legal research issues to see if if it's spotting things or looking for angles that maybe we're not used to looking at um, because it has sort of a different way of thinking than we do with respect to research that's how i've been using it for like you, you mentioned deposition outlines i've like tested it out where i've put in like a set of generic facts and said if i were deposing the person who was in charge of performing this work at issue What are the topics that I should go over with that person? And it's really interesting because it'll generate what I would consider a very similar outline to what I would have put together, you know, in minutes versus me, you know, sitting down, opening up Word and writing out an outline. So there are definitely benefits in that regard, but that's kind of how I've been using it. Um, I've also been testing it against my general knowledge of legal research issues. You know, um, in our industry, when you've been doing several as long as we have, you know, you kind of can look at a legal summary on on an issue related to subrogation, and you sort of know if it's something's off. You know what I mean? Like you'll right. read it and you'll be like, "That sounds too good," or <laughs> "I think it missed an issue." and though that's what i said before when you really get into the weeds those are kind of the experiences i've had that when you start asking really complex legal questions right. it might not generate the results you would expect versus a general primer on an area but if you're like a you know and, and i don't want to say that this is only a tool for attorneys in the subrogation industry but if you're a recovery prevent- a professional or a litigation manager and you wanna get some background on some of these issues, it really is helpful. I mean, it really can be tremendously helpful in a few minutes if you type in a question to get a response as to what the general definition of a, a legal term is, or what are the elements to a cause of action if you don't have an attorney engaged yet, you know?
0: No, I think that's a fantastic point, because yeah, it's you and, and several specialists who are dealing with an attorney, an attorney may throw out a legal term to the several specialists and, and that he or she may not have seen before or heard before or, or may not fully appreciate. And so it's a great resource, as you say, to go and say, well, what does this term mean? And then you can get some general background information. Um, and so that that type of assistant, that really becomes the theme of where we're at and what we're talking about. is It's there to kind of assist you as a resource to consider, but not something to fully rely upon, um, but but to consider the depot um, stuff you talked about is spot on. That's exactly how I'm using it now which is I'm, I'm taking you know a bunch of wildfire depots and in california and i'll i'll um write an outline if i'm going to take a certain deposition of the questions and categories i want to ask and then i'll go into you know i'll go into one of these ai platforms and say you know, give me an outline for this type of deposition. And now I can have, like you said, something to compare and say, did I miss anything, right? This is all about enhancing us or our, our work and making us better at what we do, giving us a little assist there. Um, so I think there are ways to use it, as you said, today, um, as we go through this trial period, but just as an assist, not as relying on it.
1: Yeah, and as a big of a proponent of it that I am, it's like with any technology, you know, you have to let it develop, you have to test it out. What I think we should do is we should come back in another year and do another podcast and see where we are in a year versus from today. You know, I think that would be an interesting, uh, an
0: interesting revisit of the topic in a year. I think that's perfect. I think it's a great idea. I'll, I'll, I'll close out my thoughts on on AI and subro with this because we've been talking today about you know kind of these tools to assist the attorney or the subro specialist with their job and where is this going. The other aspect we didn't talk about is. Is how AI is going to be impacting fire prevention, fire investigation. You know all these products out there. We've been you know um, uh, working with clients for years now about. All this new Internet of Things devices and and how all these you know devices are out there that will you know not just cameras but these devices that will alert you if you have a um, water um, loss at your home or alert you if um, you know you have an issue with a smoke detector activating a smart smoke detector. A lot of it is alerting you of things, but now the next step with AI is going to be integrating things where products or things do something in response to event. Not just alert you, but do something in response. So smart stoves that will, you know, cut power to the stove when it senses nobody's in the room. Um, for five minutes if the stove is on, right, or if the oven's on um, and uh, and nobody's there to monitor it. Um, you know, we've just had news in California about wildfire alert cameras being um, AI enabled so that um, they are, you know, you know uh, live 24 seven, but when there's smoke detected, we don't need somebody to visually say, oh, I see smoke on the camera. It can recognize the smoke and it can alert the authorities and get fire department out there um, to an area sooner um, because of the, uh, Um, smoke that the AI cameras, you know, uh, identify. So there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff on the fire prevention, fire investigation side as well. Uh, So as we go through this process over the next year, um, when we come back in a year and talk about this, I think we may have to do a two-part podcast then. There'll be so much to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah. Things will definitely, I think, change. Um, I think we're going to see more and more um, private companies developing programs for the legal industry. I think you're going to see um, programs for banking, accounting. I mean, it really is going to um, be pretty widespread over the next couple of years. So, uh, you know, thanks for choosing this topic, Dave. You know, you know, I'm a fan of it. Um, And for those of you listening, you know, hopefully you enjoyed this. It's a little bit of a different podcast from what we normally would do, Um, but we hope we're getting people to think about these things. And you can always. Reach out to myself or Dave with any questions, and we'll be happy to answer
0: them. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next month.
1: Take care. Bye.